between now and early next year, cash should be king, but there will be a moment sometime in the first quarter of next year when central banks have shifted from QT to QE and we start seeing a resurgence of inflation, you're going to have the last hurrah in equity and commodity markets. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart. Thanks for joining us for part two of our interview with commodities expert Simon Hunt. If you haven't yet watched part one of this discussion with Simon, in which he predicts a global economic depression by 2025, head over to our channel at youtube.com slash Wealthion and watch it there first. It sets the context for the investment themes we discuss in this video. Simon also shares the strategies he recommends for investors to follow to successfully protect their capital through the rough ride he sees ahead. So make sure you stick around to see that. Okay. Let's get started watching part two of our interview with Simon Hunt. So let's get to the question of the hour here, which is um, you, you've, you've talked about um, war, <laughs> you've talked about runaway inflation, you've talked about just absolutely crushing uh, cost of debt, you've talked about depression and then drought. Um, for prudent investors that are concerned by that outlook, and would, would very much like to not become collateral damage along the way. Um, what type of advice do you have for them? Are, are there certain types of, of assets that you think are, are, are good to hold at each one of these phases? Um, for example, I might think you might say in the short term, holding cash is a pretty good idea, but you might want to get out of it as soon as the pivot comes along. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you tell me. Yeah, let me answer the question a slightly different way. I think. Um between now and early next year, cash should be king, but there will be a moment sometime in the first quarter of next year when central banks have shifted from QT to QE and we start seeing a resurgence of inflation, you're going to have the last hurrah in equity and commodity markets. Uh, I've forgotten the figure that my technical associate has for the S&P, but it's super high. So I think that, and the commodities, you'll have oil at least at 250. You'll have okay. copper peaking yeah, sometime in mid-2024 at around $14,000, having fallen to 6002 in the first quarter of next year. So the bottom line really is that uh, people will have 18 months to two years to make a lot of money um, and then to keep it in cash. Don't think that Christmases are here forever. Sometime around mid 2024 to 2025, um, asset prices will begin falling sharply. Okay, um, so it looks like we sort of have this, this uh, in prices, down cycle, up cycle, down cycle. Correct. Um, so hold, hold cash now um, as the banks pivot 
deploy into financial Equities assets, commodities. commodities. Yeah. Uh, short the dollar. Short the dollar, right, because the dollar has been rising. It seems like you think it will continue to until this pivot. Um, okay, and then then back to cash, it sounds like, when that's going then into the depression part of the, yeah. the cycle. Yeah. Um, and I'm just curious, uh, at that point in time, the, the choice of cash might be different than what we have right now. Right? I'm sure it will be. <laughs> yeah. And my guess is in, you know, I would certainly let you come back on and, and, you know, clarify given the realities on the ground then. But I would guess right now, you might say might not be a bad idea to hold a good chunk of that cash in this new currency that's backed by commodities. Oh, actually, in the UAE's Durham. All right. I'm not sure most people are familiar with that. Do you want to elaborate it's, briefly? It's the it's the uh, currency of of the UAE. Yeah, the United Arab Emirates. Yeah, which um, is and I'm just curious, actually, why are you picking that one? Just because why? Because it's already being used quite very quietly in um, different global transactions. And I'm just curious Without for what reason? Do have any direct ties to to the oil Sorry? or? I'm just curious, for what reason? Is is it because it has some sort of direct tie to oil or? Well, it's UAE is considered a, a well-balanced economy. It's got a lot of oil. It's uh, run extremely well. It's a very pragmatic government. And at the moment, it is pegged to the dollar. Hmm. At okay. the moment. Okay. I was actually about to contrast it to say nor the Norwegian krona, but the krona is not pegged to the dollar. Yeah, That's, yeah. So what you're actually seeing, I mean, I'm I'm told um, that the dirham is being used between Russia and India in their oil transactions. Okay, interesting. All right, well, great. You've given our our viewers something to consider that I'm pretty sure was on very few of their <laughs> radars. Okay, so anyways, it's cash. Financial assets, commodities, cash again through the depression. Um, all right. Uh, and I'm just curious because you brought up a number of factors that are not sort of financial related, war, drought, et cetera. Um, is there any other sort of general advice you would give to people, again, to sort of avoid, to make themselves as less vulnerable to the this basket of risks that you've laid out here? either in terms of their lifestyle or where they live or, or, or whatnot? Um, come to the UAE. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. I, I think basically it's um, risk off. It's risk off. Okay, so it's yeah. basically sort of... Um, You've got 18 months to make, you've got 18 to 24 months to make your retirement. Okay. And then so, it's cash. And then, it, then, okay. So again, yeah, big, big, big sort of um, value grab during that 18 to 24 month period where the central banks are reinflating. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, and don't put words in your mouth, but that you would say sort of, you know, develop 
during that time frame, a sense that you're preparing for winter, both financially, but for lifestyle as well, and develop sort of a risk-off mentality kind of in everything. And by that, I sort of mean developing resilience beyond just financial resilience, right? That you, you we, we, we may, during that depressionary period, enter a, a point of time where supplies are low, right? So you might want to move Absolutely. to an area that's a little yeah. less dependent yeah. upon yeah. just-in-time yeah. supply yeah. chains, that type of stuff. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, look, um, uh, th there are so many avenues that I could continue to go down given the future that you've laid out here, Simon, um, but none of them can fit into, you know, five minutes or so <laughs> at the time frame <laughs> we have left. So I'm just curious, is there, are there any other kind of key topics to your outlook or your your view on the world today that we haven't covered yet that you think are relevant for the type of viewer on this channel who is just trying to you know, inform themselves and make prudent decisions. Well, going yeah, forward. I think there's one which we've not touched on, and that is the increasing tensions between China and America. Okay, let's go there. Particularly over Taiwan. Um, I mean, China has understood fully that America is intent on at least containing the country. Biden passed into law at the end of last year, a bill, and I've forgotten the name of it, which essentially militarizes countries, including Taiwan, that surround China. And then you've got the bipartisan bill going through the house at the moment, or due to go through the house, which effectively legitimizes Taiwan's independence. Now, from China's point of view, they have no wish to invade Taiwan. They know that time is on their side. There is an election in Taiwan in 2022, 2024, at which the KMT are supposed to be the winning party. And if that happens, then you get much closer relations between the mainland and, the, and Taiwan, which could lead up to what Deng Xiaoping always said, 2028 is the year when the two sides come together. But Washington obviously knows this scenario. So are they going to allow that to happen? Do they want to provoke China into making an invasion or whatever before 2024? So I think that, I mean, again, um, It's very interesting if you look at uh, what China controls. And if there was tension reaching into conflict or semi-conflict, they could deny the world of a lot of what it needs. 
particularly if you go into renewables and EVs, you look at the extent to which China controls all the inputs. So this is just to add to the war scenario. To, to the great instability that's already out there, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I talked to Kyle Bass um, uh, about a week ago. Yes, and I know, ago. I listened to it. <laughs> oh, oh, great, no, I'm honored. Uh, so you, you you heard Kyle basically talking about the fact that he thinks that, that uh, you know, some sort of military confrontation over Taiwan is, is highly likely in the next couple of years. Um, I, the, the piece of the puzzle I wasn't aware of is, is the fact that the uh, what you're saying is, is that that if the status quo were to continue, China feels like time's on its side, that, uh, you know, Correct. political yeah. uh situation in Taiwan will become more China friendly over time. So yeah. and, and China, you know, historically has not been uh, a confrontation seeking culture. No. Um, so presumably they just want to keep playing for time here. Um, obviously, the U.S. has got really strong commercial interests in Taiwan, um, you know, to the extent that a reunification would would jeopardize those, I guess that's the reason why yes. the U.S. would want to come in early and stir things yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I'm just curious, and I know you're not a semiconductor expert, but now that the world has woken up to the fact that essential technologies, it, to at least a certain extent, should be onshored so that we don't have the same vulnerabilities we stumbled into Correct. during the, yeah, the global yeah. lockdown during COVID. Yeah. Um, will that work to diffuse this situation over time, or or do you think that uh, there's an, an, an acute need for potentially the U.S. to go in here and and stir something up? Um, the problem is the inputs that go into TSMC something like 500 different companies. So any, any incursion into the island is going to disrupt. It would be highly that, disruptive, yeah, exactly. That chain of supply. Um, so that would be to the disadvantage of America and the disadvantage of China too. Right. Yeah, and look, I'm not a geopolitical expert by any stretch. Uh, to me, it feels like, and I talked a little bit about this with, with Kyle, um, it seems like both parties have the ability to hurt each other uh, badly enough, uh, should they want to, that it's almost a little bit like a mutually assured destruction, you know, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, it, it, it prevents the actual escalation because both sides know, hey, if we really go there, you know, the U.S. is going to lose uh, a ton of what and it depends on. But it, it also can yeah. but it also can, you know, it's China's biggest buyer. Yeah. And also it can kick China out of swift, which would really screw things up for a while. So well, I'm not so sure it would screw things up there. But China's prepared for it. Well, they very well may be. Like I said, I'm, I'm I'm not a strategist. I know that that's what Kyle said was a big a big uh, potential deterrent. But you know, if like Russia, they already sort of had been working on something for a long time, maybe it's less of a of a concern to them. 
And I know that well, Russia would, would they, love they, They've got love their own non SWIFT system. Yeah. So, anyways, so back back to your initial, you know, witch's brew of uh, of all the big dangers circulating out there. Uh, a de-escalation of, or sorry, an escalation of um, a devolution or an escalation of relations between U.S. and China could also through a pretty big, massive spanner into global stability going forward from here. So, you know, I guess we just have to cross our fingers and hope that uh, exactly. the cooler minds prevail here. But, it, but yeah. it sounds like it, just to wrap up this whole, you know, hour plus long discussion we've had, um, you are saying um, that even if even if things don't escalate the way you think they potentially could um, with the Western alliance and China, India and the uh, China, the Russia and the BRICS and whatnot, um, that there are still massive um, headwinds coming our way in terms of what's just going to happen with the global economy. All of that ends in a depression in your mind in 2025 or so. Um, and then, of course, anything that that happens in terms of additional confrontation um, on the geopolitical slash military front is just going to make things even worse. Correct. <laughs> OK, well, look, um, whatever happens from here, Simon, I'd love to have you come back on the program again in the future to kind of call audibles for us as you see things developing here. I'm going to sit and, and cross my fingers and hope against hope that maybe there are some developments that happen between the next time we have you on that maybe give you a little bit more hope or at least maybe a little bit less uh, pessimism for what's going on. But again, I know you're not a pessimist. I know you're just doing us the, the honor of just calling it as you see it. Yeah, I'm afraid so. But All right. Well, you never I mean, know. I, let, 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 let me give you the last word here, and then I'm going to let you tell folks who want to learn more about you and your work where they should go. But but what, what would your parting words here to folks be? Um, risk off. Okay. So be careful, play defense. Sure. All right. Well put. All right. So for folks that have enjoyed yet another wonderful conversation with you, certainly a mind-expanding one, where should they go to learn more about you and your work? Um, onto my website, Simon Hunt Strategic Services. And on the website, there is a, uh, you can, from there, you can contact me. Okay, fantastic. So we'll put the URL up on the screen here, um, just as we, we, we do for uh, yeah. all our guests. Um, yeah. I, I know that you had a lot of people contact you last time. You probably will again this time as well. I appreciate your your, your courage there uh, in interacting with the, the public around this. But um, but folks, Simon publishes phenomenal uh, research. As you could tell, I read a number of his reports uh, in preparing for this uh, uh, this interview, and I, I read them as they come out. Um, it's it's he's provides a, a phenomenal service just you know tracking what's going on uh, on the global economy, but also peppered a lot with you know his predictions on what's going to happen on a bigger scale. So if you can go read his research, I highly recommend that you do. Simon, thanks so much. It's been uh, just a, a again a privilege to have you back on here. Really appreciate you sharing your insider information with us. And as I said, we'll bring you back on again in the future to uh, to update us as developments unfold. Well, thank you, Adam, for having me. It's an honor. Well, all right. Well, now is the time on the program where we bring in the lead partners from New Harbor Financial. 
one of Wealthion's endorsed financial advisory firms. I'm joined as usual by lead partners, John Lodra and Mike Preston. Guys, great to see you. Let's dive right in. Simon certainly put a lot on the table there. Mike, why don't we start with your reaction? A lot of, hi, Adam. Thanks for having us back. A lot of your viewers are going to think that Simon's uh, prognosis is very grim and dark. And indeed, it is a very grim and dark prognosis, but I don't think that's the fault of Simon Hunt. I think that's the fault of where we are in reality. You know, we have a global financial system that has been pushed to the absolute maximum in terms of its capacity to carry debt. Um, you know, every lever has been forced to uh, 11 on a scale of one out of one through 10 in terms of money printing and you know the ability to paper over our problems. You, keep, you can only push a system so far without paying a big price. That's the way I look at it. And the bill is, is, is quickly coming due. Either we're going to have an asset crash or a depression or a war or all three, if you believe what Simon Hunt talks about. And we shouldn't really be surprised. History isn't kind to uh, governments and people that push systems this far, You know, particularly in a kind of controlled manipulated way. We've seen wealth transfer a ridiculous amount over the last 10 or 15 years, and it's very, very concentrated. And now the people that have that concentrated wealth want to keep it. But there's only so many resources in the world. And Simon talks about this and resources are scarce. And frankly, they're going to get scarcer in the coming years because emerging market economies have the ability to control the flow of commodities, and they'll almost certainly use that against us in the next 10 years. And that's my opinion. Those aren't necessarily the words of, of Simon Hunt. But it's clear to me that commodity shortages are here to stay. We're probably going to feel that pinch. And, you know, Simon talks about the fact that we may already be in World War III, may have started in Ukraine. Personally, I feel like we've been in financial World War III for most of the last 10 years. And, you know, as time goes on here, we're going to see more and more things unfold. It's just a couple specific things that Simon said that I'd like to recap. He thinks that equities will, will be down and down hard until the spring of 23. We agree. The dollar has been very strong, but will probably start to weaken. I'm not so sure I understand the timing of that. I think long term, the dollar will weaken, but short term. Probably the dollar stays strong, in our opinion, because of the shortage of collateral and, and all of that that we've talked about before. Uh, inflation should stay high, uh, but probably taper down to around 4 or 5%. Uh, I'll probably pause there. There's so much more in this interview that, that you're probably going to want to talk about in John, too. But overall, I think, although dark, I think it's probably mostly correct. And what we should do is prepare, prepare for the culmination of this fourth turning that we're in the next few years will probably be difficult all right john so we'll come to you now um i i, I do have a specific question um sort of building up what mike just talked about there but before i inject it anything you want to layer on top of what mike said in general about simon yeah sure uh well i always appreciate uh, we always appreciate uh perspectives of folks outside the u.s uh simon certainly qualifies he's based in, in dubai as, as you pointed out in the in the video but we also appreciate his boots on the ground uh, perspective from a, a natural resource and, and real stuff. You know, so much of our modern economy has become artificialized, if you will, or, or, or financialized by uh, easy money and, and financial assets have 
lost their their tethering to real things in, in, in a lot of ways and just looking at ratios of market you know stock prices relative to GDP for example as just it's gone off the charts relative to anything in history so, so his perspective from the standpoint of his work and research in copper and other metals markets and and the clients of his the resource you know producing resource rich, parts of the world, um, I, I think adds a really uh, weighty perspective to, to the, the, the global situation. Just want to call it a couple more data points that he, he procrastinated. Again, not our necessarily our forecast, but I think they're noteworthy. He called uh, likely 10-year treasury bonds going to 11%, which is right. um, you know certainly a number that is far more dire than many folks have talked about. Um, I, I'm not aware of anybody that has predicted. And but we've had a we've had a situations where where treasuries were higher than that um, back in the uh, early early 80s. Uh, uh, that would just be absolutely devastating. And I think that plays into his his forecast that probably 24, 25, 2024, 2025 will will, will be likely in a depression like uh, mode with asset prices cratering. And uh, between now and then, there will likely be some large tradable swings he called he called for commodity prices to be quite soft uh, first and then quite strong after you know he for example talked about copper going i think to 6000 an ounce and then shooting back up to 14000 before the depression kind of hits and and all asset prices go and and plummet so just want to highlight a couple of his other prognostications there that i think were uh, at least eye popping and, and noteworthy yeah, well, that that's the thing I wanted to dig into with you guys here. And John, maybe I'll stick with you for a moment, and we'll go back to Mike. Um, so, uh, in amidst all of the the prognostications that Simon shared, you know, he basically laid out an arc of saying that uh, the we're, we're going to go into a a recession over the next year um, that's going to bring down inflation, that's going to crater the markets, it's going to um, bring a lot of Jerome Powell's pain um, <laughs> into the picture. Um, and in that period of time, he says cash is king, you know, cash is king kind of for the next year or so as that happens. And then you'll have the central bank pivot. And in his words, he said, that's going to be the last hurrah for the equity and commodity markets. So he basically was saying kind of that's your opportunity to kind of make all of the wealth that you then want to try to protect against the coming deflation, right? So we sort of have first down leg one, recession. Then we have an up leg, which is the central bank inflationary response to try to stimulate everything that will fail at some point leading into the global depression that he says is coming around 2025 or so. And look, nobody can get the timing exactly right on that, but that's sort of the arc that he's seeing going forward. Um, and so, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say you guys see the world exactly like he does, but I think right now you're concerned enough about current conditions that you are very liquid and that you are waiting for a period to deploy those, those assets when there is a turning point in the market. And my guess is, correct me if you disagree, my guess is you think that turning point will largely be either caused or at least, um, uh, you know, in parallel with uh, a central bank pivot at some point in time. So, you know, what what Simon is laying out here, I don't think really is all that far from what you guys and a number of, of the other financial capital managers on this program have been, you know, forecasting of late. Is that true? Yeah, I think we we are in general agreement in in that 
profile. Obviously, pre precision uh, in calling those things is is a fool's errand. But the general theme we we very much think is 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 highly plausible. Uh, we do believe we're likely in a regime where we're going to see uh, very strong moves up and down. But the general trend will likely be to the downside as the you know accommodations and the excesses and the stimulations of the the last decade plus are are kind of unwound and and uh, the psychological um, fuel that 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 uh, you know provided is is reversed in a, in a very big way. Uh, Simon also talked about a, a market accident, I think, as being the catalyst. We agree that the, the Fed is probably in reactionary mode here. And In other words, an accident, something has to break. They pivot in any kind of meaningful way. Um, and that's most likely in the form of a, a, a pretty significant um, uh, downturn in the stock market, uh, perhaps followed by some more significant recessionary signals and, and then maybe a, a Fed that starts to, to pivot. But, but lots of market volatility likely in store, both on the up and down side, but, but, but probably leaning towards the downside. Okay, Mike, I said I'd come to you because I want to give you a chance to opine on this as well. Um, anything else you want to add color-wise to what John said about, about the ARC and how you guys are preparing for it? Yeah, not really much more to add there other than, you know, at the, at the end of the interview, you asked Simon, you know, how would you recap? And he said, risk off, risk off. You know, that's it. Risk off. We're, we're, he we're heavy cash. We're waiting for lower prices. It's... Um, it's very slow. This market is actually in a very controlled descent, more so than I would have expected. It seems almost too controlled. You know, we're only about 18, 17, 18% off the high. Volatility is contained. Um, sure, we're seeing some weakness in gold and silver, but we're not seeing any real weakness yet in equity prices. And in the housing market, prices are just barely starting to crack. So we think we're very early in the cycle that's going to be a very deep recession and maybe even a recession, um, even a depression like Simon predicts. So it's all about patience still. And I know that we say that all the time and it's hard to do it. But uh, I really think that the, the stock market in general will come down a lot more, probably more than 50% from the top over the next uh, six to 18 months. So we're going to pick our places. We're going to be patient and um, be tactical. All right. And, you know, it's interesting as we have spent a fair amount of time on this program, you guys and me talking about, um, you know, how you're planning to invest in the current stagflationary environment um, and, uh, you know, what you plan to do once this bear market hits a, a bottom. Um, so we don't necessarily have to rehash all that, except just to underscore that you guys, like you just said, Mike, are very, you know, you're prioritizing risk off right now. Uh, and Simon agrees with you guys. Um, <clears throat> and look, we should be focusing on the things we can control and the things we have more clarity on. So we should be looking most closely at the next six to 18 months. But I'm just curious, let's assume Simon's right. And we have this, um, you know, risk off phase. And then we have uh, the, the last hurrah where asset prices, you know, go up dramatically over 18 to 24 months seem to be what Simon thought. Uh, I'm just curious if if Simon's right and then that is actually followed by a global depression, not recession, but depression. What does history tell you guys in terms of how you invest for a depression? 
Is it different than how you invest for a recession? John, I see you nodding. Why don't we start with you? Yeah, the textbook classic playbook for that is uh, the longest bonds you can get, longest treasury bonds you can get, zero coupon, even better. Basically, you want to have long duration. And a duration is a technical term in, in bond markets that uh, probably we don't need to get into. But uh, long dated zero coupon bonds would be um, classically the textbook way to play that cash and, and as long a bond you, you can get. Now, the caveat of that, of course, is, is uh, what Simon also talked very strongly about is, is the likely serious uh, pivot off of a U.S. dollar um, global reserve currency, a, a bifurcation, a, 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 a new competing resource uh, anchored gold even uh, um, um, backed currency. And, and that's where it becomes a little bit more complicated because in that environment, U.S. Treasury bonds may not be the sure thing that they have been in in kind of those classic, you know, um, uh, depressionary kind of uh, playbooks. So we think probably uh, the best strategy in that scenario is probably some precious metals, some real assets, uh, some long dated Treasury bonds. Um, all to say that there's probably not going to be one single thing. You're going to have to you're going to have to play for a couple of competing scenarios there that could, could play out um, even within that kind of depressionary uh, framework. Okay. All right. Well, look, Mike, coming to you and, and starting to wrap up here. Um, so you guys talk to people every day, both existing clients and prospects. Um, and, and I know as of late, uh, you've had a nice influx in prospects because folks have gotten quite jittery again as, as the markets have started turning back down here. Um, <clears throat> uh, well, I guess first question, I've got two questions for you, but the first one is, is um, given the conversations you're having folks with folks right now, particularly the questions that you're getting from, you know, first time prospects in terms of their concerns or goals right now, um, any common theme that you want to speak to here, any any kind of common counsel you want to give to folks based upon what you're hearing? I'm hearing a lot of fatigue on the people I'm talking to about the whole narrative of gold and silver and real assets. Maybe it's because you know we're we're going on many years of kind of sideways movement in gold and silver, and gold sitting here around 1670, 1680 at this critical support level. Uh, we really believe in in real assets. To us, it's um, an asset that makes sense out of the control of central banks, at least long term. Maybe not short term. So we'd say if you're having some fatigue about that. Or if you're concerned about that, as long as your allocation is proper, I wouldn't worry about it. Um, you know, we recommend somewhere around five or maybe ten percent of investable assets. And if you don't have that holding in, in physical gold, we'd recommend you get it. It's a great time to build it or add to it if you're not there. So that's the first thing. Just reiterating that the the belief that we have in gold and silver still remains strong, and we would stick with it. Uh, other people have some concern about the markets, but they don't feel like there's any real impetus or imperative to get out of it quickly. And I would just say this, that the market is trying to lull you to sleep and it's this slow kind of dripping decline. Normally what happens in this type of thing is when we do breach a critical level, we'll see a waterfall type move. And, and that type of move would be quick, probably down to like 3,200 on the S&P from where we are now at around 3,900. That's almost 20% below here very quickly. That's what I think could happen. And that will wake a lot of people up and frankly, cause them to freeze. And we don't want to see people freeze. So 
we, we would suggest that you take the bounce of the last few months, most of, most of which is still kind of intact, before we see a breach of those technical levels to actually rebalance the portfolio now and get down to a much lower risk level, say 30% equities or something like that. Like Simon said, risk off, you know, uh, reduce risk because this market could easily go down a lot further and frankly should be a lot lower um, to even reach long-term average valuations. You'd have to see a drop of at least 50% from here. So not to panic people, but, you know, there is some imperative to get uh, de-risked here. And so we would go ahead and do that and then raise cash, you know, put it in treasury bills, buy some I bonds, like you've talked to Adam up to 10,000 per person per year. Um, but you can get 3% on, on three, three month treasury bills right now. So um, happy to talk to anybody about how to do that, or you could do it yourself at treasurydirect.gov as well. So Great. that's, that's all I have. And and I do want to underscore, I really appreciate um, one of the, one, one of the many reasons why we have endorsed you guys is that um, you guys recommend to your clients steps that you guys don't necessarily directly monetize yourself, right? You know, buying physical bullion, using the Treasury Direct website to buy, you know, Treasury bills and bonds directly themselves. You guys are basically telling people, look, this is we, we want our accounts to have a solid foundation before we even take any capital from you guys. And I, I, I just want to make sure that I call you guys out for that because I'm not sure everybody knows you guys take that approach. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I've been talking to a lot of people recently as we, we do all these preparations for our upcoming conference on Saturday. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it, it seems to be coming clear if we look at the probabilities of what our experts are, are projecting is that we should be preparing for a recession um, in the next six to 12 months. Um, and we can argue we may already be in one, but in terms of it really feeling like a serious recession, I think that's still to come. So that's one of the things that just you know, connecting the dots, all these people are saying the vast majority, if not all of them, I think are coming to that conclusion. So we'd love to be wrong, but the advice for people is, is just, just plan for it. And it'd be wonderful if it doesn't arrive, but the, the probability is so high right now that that's something we should all be expecting at this point. Um, to your point about the markets, <clears throat> Mike, um, if we are indeed in a bear market right now, which I would say the majority of, of the experts I've been talking to recently believe, and I think you guys do as well, then we need to prepare for um, this kind of grinding downwards. Um, bear markets don't necessarily, they just don't happen overnight, right? It's just not a, a, an elevator ride to the absolute bottom. They tend to you know, be volatile. They're punctuated by rallies like we just saw in July, but they're, they're generally more of a grind downwards. They're one of these instances where just the hits keep on coming. And when people think, okay, maybe we're done now. Well, then there's another down leg. And, and the reason why is because its job is to break everybody's confidence in the market. And as we've heard from experts like Ted Oakley, you know, the bear market ends when, when everybody has capitulated, when everybody has decided, you know what, I'm out. I'm just not touching stocks anymore, right? And, and we, to your point, Mike, earlier, we're just not even close to that yet. Um, so I think we should prepare ourselves and again, hope to be wrong, but prepare ourselves for probably months, maybe, you know, continued quarters 
of just negative surprises and the market just kind of grinding downwards. Sure, there's going to be some some big down days and again, some big up days, but it's probably just going to be this continuation of rug pull where they just keep dashing the hopes of a, of a recovery here. Uh, and then as Ted says, you know, once that really happens, they do tend to end in a bit of a flush out like that last 25 percent, he says, goes pretty quickly as everybody kind of gives up the ghost. Um, so all I'm saying here, again, I'm not not making a, a guarantee of any sort, but I'm just saying from what I'm hearing from everybody, including you guys, it sounds like we need to be prepared for the high probability of recession and we need to be prepared of a, of a pretty good probability of just the sort of ceaseless grind downwards over the next couple of quarters. Um, so you guys both nodding. John, I'll let you have the last word as we wrap things up here. Yep, that's I agree with all that. Uh, just just to put a, a reference data point in that 2008, when the housing bubble was busting, the markets were down over 40 percent on on the year, but they were only down about 20 percent, I believe, through through September, early September. So much of that vicious decline happened in the final couple months of the year. To your to your point that when the psychology shifts, it usually shifts, and the the panic, the capitulation, really classically in, in most bear markets causes the, the real pain to happen in the final moments. And, and, and that's when people unfortunately lose their patience and throw in the towel if they've, if they've written it down. So that's, that's really what Mike referred to when he uh, implored people to kind of still not think like they've lost their opportunity to kind of get more defensive. There's plenty of opportunity there. And it's a, it's really a psychological battle that, that we humans will, will need to have. And, and, uh, we're saying it's it's not too late at all to kind of take uh, defensive measures because there likely is that kind of throw over, um, you know, waterfall event that's is likely still to come. All right. Great. All right. Well, guys, look, thanks so much for joining me again uh, today, but also thanks in advance for joining me tomorrow for Wealthion's Fall Online Conference. Um, it's all day event. You guys are going to be riding in the co-host seat with me. Uh, emceeing the whole day. Uh, it's going to be a very long uh, but very packed day of presentations from the top minds in uh, the economy and, and in markets. Um, folks, this is uh, by far our, our best, the strongest panel. And, and really, timeliness-wise, we could not have planned this any better. You know, the, the questions that that I'm getting, that the New Harbor guys are getting literally by the hour from folks these days is, Oh my gosh, you know, if 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 everything that I just talked about is going to define what's going to happen in the markets going forward from here, how do we safely navigate our wealth through this? That is the focus of this day. Um, so anyways, folks, if you haven't registered for the conference yet, this is literally your last opportunity. Uh, the tickets stop selling at midnight tonight and we go live tomorrow. Um, and if you can't watch live, don't worry. Everybody who registers is going to be sent the replay videos of all the presentations and all the live Q&A sessions uh, within 24 hours of the conference. So even if you can't make it live, you can still watch the whole thing on replay. Uh, to learn more about this and to register, go to well wealthion.com slash conference right now. Again, folks, if you've been procrastinating, time is up. Go do it now. Uh, and uh, just wrapping things up here, as we always say at the end of these things, if you do not have a good financial advisor or coach helping you uh, manage your money right now, folks, unless you're an expert at this, which honestly few people are, including myself, you really should be getting a good guide here. And so find a financial advisor who has 
a good understanding of the macro issues that Simon and I and then John and Mike and I have talked about here. If you've got a good one, great. Stick with them. They're literally worth their weight in gold. But if you don't, or if you'd like a second opinion from one who does, maybe even John and Mike themselves, just go to Wealthion.com and fill out the short form there and you'll have a free consultation. Doesn't cost you anything. It's no commitment. Um, these guys will just tell you what they think. You can take that information, implement it yourself, give it to your advisor, um, or continue talking with these guys if you like it. Um, all right, John and Mike, uh, thanks so much for giving me uh, your time for another week here. Everybody else, please help thank them by clicking the like button. And then if you haven't already, click the subscribe button below, as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Look forward to seeing you at the conference tomorrow. Everybody else, look forward to seeing you at the conference tomorrow. Um, John and Mike, see you next week. Everybody else, thanks so much for watching. Thank you, Adam. Uh, great to be with you again. We'll see you real soon. We'll see you soon, Adam. Thanks. If you'd like to schedule a consultation with one of the financial advisors at New Harbor Financial, simply go to Wealthion.com. These consultations are completely free and there are no strings attached. The good folks at New Harbor will simply answer any questions you have about your investment goals or your portfolio and give you their best advice given their latest market outlook. They're willing to do this because they care about protecting people's wealth and because Wealthion has connected them with so many thoughtful investors just like you over the past decade. We started doing this because so many people have approached us in frustration looking for a solution because they're feeling out of alignment or downright ridiculed by the standard financial advisors who have been managing their money. You know the type. The kind that just pushes all of your money into the market, scoffs at the idea of owning gold, and when you bring up concerns about the market's sky-high valuations, they say, don't worry, the market will always take care of you. For many of the reasons discussed in today's video, we think this is one of the most challenging and treacherous times in history for investing. We strongly believe that today's investors are best served working in partnership with a conscientious professional financial advisor who understands the risks in play. Now, we're agnostic which professional advisor you work with, as long as they're good. If you're already working with one, that's fantastic. Stick with them. But if you don't, or are having trouble finding one you respect or trust, then consider talking to John and Mike and the team at New Harbor. Now, for those about to ask, yes, there's a business relationship between Wealthion and New Harbor, which we put in place to make sure everything is handled according to SEC regulations. All the details on this are clearly provided on the Wealthion.com website. Also, it's important to note that New Harbor is able to work with U.S. citizens, green card holders, and those with existing assets in the USA. But for regulatory reasons, they aren't able to take on non-U.S. clients. All right. With all that said, if you'd like some insight and guidance on how to protect your wealth during this unprecedented time in the markets, go to Wealthion.com to schedule your free consultation with the good folks at New Harbor. Thanks for watching.